Welcome to Revelation Warning, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Robert Thibodeau as he interviews prophecy experts from around the world as we discuss current events in relation to Bible prophecy. All of this is to give the world a final Revelation Warning. Now, here is your host with this week's guest, Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Revelation Warning Podcast today. We're so blessed that you are joining us. You know, as Christians, we've all cringed as we see blasphemous things taking place in society today. We may even pray about what we see and hear the political leaders advocate this stuff is normal when we know what the Bible has to say about things like this. We may even have discussions from time to time with other believers wondering, what we can do to affect change. Well, if that sounds like you, I have a super rich blessing for you today, praise God. Stacy Lynn Harp is the host of Bible News Radio. She's been interviewing Christian influencers since 2005. She's interviewed more than 1,500 different Christian leaders, praise God. Stacy and her husband, Randall, they met in church, been married since 1992. They served together in their ministry. Stacy holds an MS degree in clinical psychology with more than 15 years of experience counseling women, children, and couples in a variety of settings. Help me welcome to this program, Stacy Linhart. Praise God. Stacy, thank you for joining us today. I have been looking forward to our discussion. Amen. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. I, I, what a great introduction there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Stacy Linhart? Who am I? As I told somebody recently, your worst nightmare, but <laughs> that's really, it's really not true. I am, I, I, I'm real. I'm real. Pretty much what you see is what you get. Amen. You know? And, um, you know, and, and that either irritates you or, or you, you, you like it. So I guess it just <laughs> depends on who you are. Um, Amen. Yeah. And I would say first and foremost, honestly, and it's not meant to be, um, what do you call, you know, trite or whatever, but really I'm passionate about the Lord and I'm passionate about helping people become real, you know, just to live in reality, right? I mean, so many people don't live in reality. If COVID showed us anything, it was that. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't argue with that point at all. <laughs> That's for sure. It, it was funny. I heard someone say that uh, you know the the stay at home moms who work from home or or you know just mom you know, being a mom in general. The dads finally found out what the daily routine really is like, you know, when yeah. raising kids and stuff. So, amen, amen. Well, I have to say, though, I am impressed with you interviewing over 1,500 Christian influencers. Praise God. That is an accomplishment all in itself. And I just stand in awe that you've kept it up this long and are still going strong. So, I want to congratulate you on that. Well, thank you. I mean, it hasn't been without me kicking and screaming like half the way, at least. So, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and yeah. and you know how it got started was really kind of interesting. I was finishing my master's in clinical psychology to become a marriage and family therapist, and I started to blog. And I had a guy from the Chronicles of Narnia movie contact me on my blog, and he told me, "You know what? I would like to put an ad on your blog, which was political in nature, just me espousing my biblical Christian conservative point of view." But 
the Chronicles of Narnia guy found my blog, he wanted to put an ad. And I said, sure. Um, and then he invited me to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, which at the time, that particular year was in An Anaheim, California. You know, usually it's held in Nashville, right down the street from me. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, I can go and hang out at the booth. Well, the weekend right before we were supposed to go, the guy calls me up and he says, you know, I changed my mind. I don't want to give you one of the free passes that we have. And so I told my husband, I said, that guy is not going to get away with this. I am going to go down there because I want to meet Janet Parshall and Craig Parshall. Because at yeah. the time, Janet Parshall was hoping, hosting her show, Janet Parshall's America, which was the number one political that. Christian yeah. show in the country. And um, But this guy reneged on that. And so I'm like, hey, you know. So I got dressed up. I went down to NRB and I waited outside the expo for somebody to let me in. Finally, after about two hours, I had two Christian broadcasters give me a free pass to get in. And I went to the publishers and I said, I have this idea about blogging for books. How about, you know, if you give me Christian books, I'll get them into the bloggers hands and then, you know, and we'll see what we can do. Well, Crossway Publishers, Baker House, and a couple of other publishers, they're like, do you have a card? And I'm like, no, I don't have a card. But if you give me yours, I'll follow up. And so they did. I had a stack of cards. And after this whole thing, a week later, um, you know, I emailed everybody and three Christian publishers signed up to be part of my very first Blog for Books program. Man, hey, man. And so... I was like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what to charge because this was about 2005. Well, to make a long story short, um, I was getting all these great Christian books. I'm like, <laughs> man, I'm reading this. I got Frank Turk's book. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, a whole bunch of other books. And I thought, you know, I should interview these people. So Frank Turek was my very first guest. Amen. So I interviewed him. And I, rem I remember it so well because he annoyed me the whole time because he kept saying the name of his book over and over and over and over and over <laughs> again. Um, and but it was like, OK, I didn't know what God was doing. And and to make a really long story concise here, I, I it came to a point where I, I was getting everybody that I everybody wanted me to interview them. And I was like, oh, I can't believe that this is happening. But I had spent. 18 years earning my degree and earning all my hours to become a marriage and family therapist. So I was like, well, which way do you want me to go? You know, I can't do both things because at the same time, God had opened the door for me to become a contract blogger for the voice of the martyrs. And so I had Amen. written about Christian persecution for eight years. Well, I came to a crossroads and I was like, okay, I'm going to ask God for the impossible. And if I get this, then I know he wants me to walk away from the counseling field that he wants me to do this. And so I asked him to let me interview Amy Grant. And the reason why that was important is because I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but her music was the very first Christian music I had heard. And um, I thought, okay, if God is in this, then I get to interview Amy Grant. I knew nobody, nobody. So I do this Google search, and this is in 2005 when very few Christian ministries or anybody was online. And somehow I found, somehow, first of all, I knew what to look for. I don't know how, obviously, 
But I found her publicist. I put in a request. A couple of weeks later, they accepted it. Amy, I was her Amy Grant's first podcast. Oh, um, wow. She came on our show and we had no audience. <laughs> we relatively still have no audience. We had one back then more than we do now because of all the censorship. But but it was from there that, you know, people were like, well, who's been on your show? And so I said, well, Amy Grant has. Yeah. Oh, OK, I'll come on, <laughs> you know, and. I, I just was naturally good at this stuff, but I've always been an activist, always. My very first um, foray into the world of activism was 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 going down with uh, Randall Terry down in Los Angeles and doing Operation Rescues mm. when they were arresting people. Do you remember when they did that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was in that group. I didn't get arrested, but my friends oh. did. But I was like in my early 20s, so it kind of... And, and then one last thing was I also was invited by the Tradi- Traditional Values Coalition to go into a GLSEN conference, which was the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. They they wanted me to go in as one of their spies to see what was going on. And so my husband and I spent a weekend down there with gay activists. Um, and that is really when God kind of went, OK, you you can't go here into the counseling field because they're really messing with that. But I'm going to have you go in and see what's going on, and you're going to tell people. So some, so that that's how I got basically where I'm at. And yeah, yeah. over the years, what we've done has changed a little bit, but it, it's been a, you know, wow. I had nothing to do with it. Basically, <laughs> isn't it neat when when God does it like that? You know, and, and you say, "Okay, God, this must be you," and it just all works out. I mean. Yeah, you know, when when he told me, and we went over this a little bit before we started the recording. You know, mm-hmm. start your weekly thirty minute online radio. I had no clue what that meant, none at all. You know, but right. I followed through, and then that's okay. Now you learn this. Now you go on nationwide radio. You learn a little bit more. Now you take all those skills you learn, couple it with your discipline from the military, couple that with your business degree, and. I want you to start your own radio station. We did that. Now the podcast and all that. And when the radio station really started taking off, I mean, you know, we were hitting number one rankings in the world. And I was getting invited to go speak at churches and stuff because the pastors wanted me on the radio. And I was like, Lord, why me? Why did you pick me to do this? You know? And Jesus has such a great way. My listeners have heard me say this before. Jesus has such a great way of keeping you humble, but at the same time, <laughs> making you laugh. Yep. And I said, why me? Why did you bless me with this? And his answer was, you weren't my first choice. <laughs> you know? And I was like, mm-hmm. he said, no, but you were the first one that obeyed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. And I learned so much from that conversation. You know, and so it's good. It's the key to everything. You know, yep. you obeyed. You know, I mean, you went to Anaheim. And just stood outside you know, until you got in. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, it was it was um part of my charm. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, obviously. Oh, me either. If God would have shown but, me all this 10 years ago, I, no, 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 no. You had got the wrong guy. Yeah. Well, and I don't think I think I think most people don't really they they really don't know what you do behind the scenes and right. they don't um, 
Yeah. And then if you're like me, a little bit of a perfectionist in, in the sense of like, you know, wanting to be on, I'm a firstborn. Okay. I can't yeah, help yeah. it. Me too. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm definitely a uh, perfectionist. And it drives my marketing team nuts because, you know, <laughs> well, you know, what if we did a Pastor Bob? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, was like, you know, I was like, you know, okay, I'll I, I turn this over to you. I'll let you manage it. Because <laughs> it was me. I, you know, I, yeah, I, I, we're we're one on one here. I mean, we are definitely cut from the same mold from somewhere. Amen. Now, through your background, though, in counseling therapy, you became an expert, as you mentioned, in the LGBTQT alphabet stuff deception that seems to be so prevalent in society today. And mm-hmm. I watched a couple of your episodes on your radio program. How did you become an expert in this area of study? And how do you perceive yourself when you compare where you started at to where you're at now? You mean in my knowledge or in um, the knowledge in the, in the um, in that aspect of ministry that you're you're in for that? Well, that's a good question. I I would say because of my background of abuse, I actually thought I was gay when I hmm. decided to go to therapy for the first time. Um, and anyway, I went I went to a Christian therapist and within three weeks she helped me to identify the fact that I, I wasn't gay, that I actually needed a mother because I had a sociopathic narcissistic mother who handed me over, literally kind of sex trafficked me out. Wow. So, you know, God um gave me the right person that I needed at the right time. Now I ended up having a very traumatic ending with that particular therapist because she frankly didn't know what she was doing. She had no idea what the attachment style issues and and things that of that nature. But because I understood the pull and the struggle of of being attracted to somebody in a wrong way. And because I was a very devout believer, even though I was a young believer at the time, um I knew that I I wanted to be obedient to the Lord. And so, you know, I continued to get help even after I had a really bad therapeutic experience. I ended up getting into therapy with another therapist um, who then basically essentially had to reparent me and and help me to attach and grow and go through all the different things developmentally that a normal person would have gotten. And the cool thing, Bob, about this is that if unless it if you didn't know me then, you would never know what I went through now because God's healing has just been tremendous. Yeah. At the same time, however, because I was an activist with the pro-life movement and then traditional values invited me to the Glisten Conference, you know, people, if, if you don't know who the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network is, Kevin Jennings, who was considered President Obama's safe schools are, he actually was the head of GLSEN at one point. And when my husband and I went down to this particular GLSEN conference, it was about 20 years ago now, close to 20 years. Um, you know, my husband and I, we sat, we learned that 
these guys were specifically targeting every every Christian right organization they were bashing. I actually used to use work, work at Focus on the Family, too. Oh, wow. um, and they went after Dr. Dobson. They went after Beverly LaHaye and Concerned Women for America. They went after Phyllis Schlafly and Eagle Forum. They, they went after all the big people, many of them who are now gone. Uh, but people don't understand the history of the quote Christian right because it's been so maligned throughout, you know, the last 20 years. But what I saw firsthand at that conference was them grooming children. And there's two young men who, uh, who basically um, my husband and I came in contact with while we were at this event. And I said, uh, this one kid, his name was Christopher and, you know, he comes up, oh, yeah, are you, are you, and this is at the conference, he's like, oh, you're an ally. And I go, well, I'm here to learn info, you know, never lie. But I said, tell me your story. And this is what he told me. Um, it might make me cry because it made me cry then. He he said, he goes, all right, he goes, I, I'm a bottom. I, and I'm like, what are you talking about? At the time, I had no idea what the heck that was. Just so you know, that's, you know, the part he plays in sex, people. He's the bottom, right? And I'm like, please tell me, you know, like, what what's your background? He goes, well, you know, I have a Christian mom. She was single. And, um, you know, and I'm pretty much an only kid. And I was online. This was like in 2005, 2004. Actually, maybe a little bit before that. Um, and... You know, and anyway, he got lured to a mall. He was at a mall and this guy who was about 28 took him to a hotel, sodomized him. And that's when he knew he was gay. Right. This other guy, um, Christopher is a white, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed kid. This other kid, Cedric, a black guy, um, almost the identical story. And then there were girls at this Glisten meeting who had short hair. They were fat and overweight, kind of like I was when I was younger. I'm still a bit fat, but whatever, you know, <laughs> and, and there's the the middle-aged spread, right? <laughs> but but these girls, they were, they were, you know, kind of being love bombed through this whole thing. Um, and most of them, no doubt, sexually abused in some way. So you, you look at the the criteria of these groomers as they're now being called openly. And you look at that and my husband and I, we saw that at this conference and how they were intentionally setting out to get these kids. I mean, I'm like, I was livid. I was livid. I remember driving home from Los Angeles to orange to the city of orange where I lived. I cried for an hour and a half on that drive home. And it was from there that I passed on three a full box of information to janet parcel who at the time was hosting janet parcel's america and she read the contents she had no idea it went that dark that deep and what most people don't know is that you have christian right organizations infiltrating the left organizations and you have the left organizations infiltrating the christian right ones it's a lot weirder now because the technology today is is all over. You can pretty much sign up for an email list and get inside the left or the right, whatever side you want. Yeah. You can be fake. I mean, you know, just look at Twitter. Okay. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so you, you can do all that. And so, you know, I have that knowledge, but then as a therapist, um, there's a book, it's called after the ball. Actually, I actually have it sitting right here on my, on my desk, this book, I'm going to try and get it. 
called After the Ball, How America Will Conquer Its Fear and Hatred of Gays in the 90s by Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen. Now, Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen were two homosexual activists. One was a psychiatrist, I think, and the other one was a marketing persuasion expert. One of them committed suicide. I can't remember which one. Hmm. But this book, when I bought it, I paid two bucks for it. If you go to Amazon now, this thing goes for over 400 and sometimes over a thousand, depending who has it in stock, because it literally lays out the marketing plan to market homosexuality to America. I did a show. I decided to do a series on my show. I think I have eight hours. I, I, I didn't outlining exactly how they marketed this. Now, When you tell people that homosexuality was marketed to America, they'll look at you like, oh, you're crazy. But if you go back 50 years, you're not going to see people saying that this is normal. Right. Exactly. And their first tactic was to they targeted the church. They actually talk about how they targeted the church in this book. But they were brilliant. They were diabolical because. They, the first place they went after was the American Psychological Association, mm. right? By getting homosexuality removed out of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders in 1973. It, yep. You know, people go, oh, well, you know, it's no longer a mental disorder. Okay. Well, how did it get taken out of the DSM? <laughs> By gay activists who did a deal behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They they took it out. And David Kupelian, who wrote the book, The Marketing of Evil, talks about it in the first chapter of his book, how they did that. So this is common knowledge. But but now it's even worse because they're using the exact same playbook. They're using the Kinsey 10% number. Mm. And most people don't know Kinsey was a pedophile homosexual. Dr. Judith Reisman, who's now with the Lord, did the, the primary work on Kinsey. That that guy raped infants and babies, and he his his sample were prisoners. They they're male prisoners. That was his sample. So they gave. That's how they got the the ten percent number. But you know, you probably heard a lot about how you know pedophiles today. You know, they're called maps minor attracted persons. Mm-hmm. Well, they're using the same book, same playbook. They're saying ten percent. You know, of them are born that way, and and. They they had this push. There's a website called BeforeYouAct.org, I think it is. And it's letter B, the number four, the letter U, act. And they've changed stuff on it. But when they first put that site up about probably 10 years ago, um, my friend um, Matt and Judith Reisman, Matt Barber and Judith Reisman had gone into some conferences for, for these guys. The people behind it were... Uh, They're in the therapy field and they're like, well, you know, we're we're pedophiles um, and we're okay with that. By the way, if you go to a therapist today and you have that problem and you reveal that you're a pedophile pedophile um, and, and unless you're not okay with it, they can't they can't say there's something wrong with you. Right. Because the whole field advocates and. And actually says, look, it's okay. It's okay. But their idea was, you know what? Pedophiles, they have these comorbid disorders called anxiety and depression. And if they reveal, if they go to a therapist and they want to deal with their anxiety and depression, but 
they also reveal they're a pedophile, then they're going to be turned away and they're not going to get the help that they need. So <laughs> before you act, they like, well, we're going to change the language. We're not going to call them pedophiles. We're going to call them minor attracted persons, which sounds softer, doesn't it? Just like the word gay, you know, you, you will never or very rarely hear me say gay. I'll always say homosexual because of the connotation or frankly, the biblical term is sodomite, right? If you read the King James, it's sodomite. Amen. But that sounds so mean, doesn't it? And but but I will tell you, having gone to counseling conferences run by lesbians and activists in the field, they will say, no, don't say the word homosexual because it connotes sex. We're trying to get people away from looking at the quote sex part, which is why now you got all this gender fluidity crap yep. and all this yep. chaos. You know, my friend yep. Stephen Black calls it um sexual chaos or whatever. And it it it's 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 diabolical because yeah. they are refusing to let people get help. Yeah, exactly. Amen. Amen. And you've interviewed other experts on this topic as well, because I've seen that on your your station. What what do they believe should be done to reverse this demonic trend that we see happening right now with all the transgenderism and letting kids make the decision what they wanted to be and do surgeries and all that other stuff? What what do you... these experts that you interview? What's the more or less consensus on how we can combat this? Well, I think that part of the problem is that we need to expose it for what it is. And when you have 50% of the church who who is pro-gay or pro-whatever, um, that's the thing. People don't want to look at the reality. Um, I don't know. If, did you watch the interview with John Euler I did? Yep. Okay. Yep. So that was one of the hardest interviews, honestly, I've ever had to do. Um, and if your audience doesn't know who he is, he's a man who is a therapist. He works with sexual predators. This is This is his primary group he works with and he knows what these people do um, by how they groom and everything and he's really an expert on on abuse and trauma right our problem is we got the culture telling you this is normal but he's over here going no 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 look over here look over here what what's going on and that's what i've been doing since i've been doing my show you know and and i will tell you this is the number one topic people want me to talk about but honestly The vitriol and the hate that I get from people is just astounding because if you tell people no, I told a therapist friend of mine, I, I, I told her, she goes, well, I'm okay with the gay stuff. I said, are you okay with the pedophile stuff? No. I said, why not? You know, I said, you've been marketing the gay stuff. You're going to be marketed the pedophile stuff. Oh, I'll never go that way. Really? Let's watch. And, and the transgender stuff it, to my surprise, actually, they overplayed their card. They have complete the that the the diabolical evil side. They've literally overplayed their card because normal people now they can see these drag queen freaks, you know, out there like libs of TikTok on Twitter yesterday posted one of these guys all in makeup and stuff uh, dancing to some song. And these kids whose evil parents brought them to this stuff were giving these creeps money, right? And so I think, you know, John, what John would say is that's grooming. So what happens is that they they get um, 
they, <laughs> this gets me so mad. You know, they, they, they're, these guys are deviant. Most of them are sex predators or highly addicted to pornography. And, and people don't even know. I mean, I learned something. If you listen to the show, then you learned about hypnotic porn, right? Did you know about that? No, no, I didn't either. And I know quite a bit about this subject, but hypnotic porn, just briefly, it's basically this creepy porn where they brainwash people in it. And like what John told me was, and there's been, no, actually it wasn't John. It was Stephen Hassan, who is a cult expert. And, and the guy's not even a Christian. Stephen Hassan's not a Christian. But Stephen Hassan was, he's a psychologist, but he was the first one I heard about hypnotic porn about because he studied cults and mind control. And the hypnotic porn is actually a form of that brainwashing. And so he he actually said that there's research that shows people who watch this stuff, they will actually go, they'll watch it. And of course, if you um, pleasure yourself to it, of course, you got all that biological chemical stuff going on that keeps you bonded. Um, but some people have been so convinced by it that they actually believe they're the opposite gender as a result. And then they go, they get the surgery, which isn't going to help you any. Um, and then they get mad because they realize how screwed up they are after the surgery. And then they, quote, detransition back. Um, but nobody talks about it. Right. Because nobody will talk about the pornography issue, which Dr. James Dobson many years ago. Long time ago. You know, tried to expose. And I can tell you as a woman who pornography was used with me when I was a, when, when I was a kid, mm. I can tell you that stuff stays in your head. And some of the criteria and the the stuff that kids are being shown today was stuff that I was shown in Playboy by my perpetrator. And I'm like, this, this is actually like mainstream and parents don't know about it or those who do, they don't give a crap because they're too busy and overwhelmed trying to deal with other stuff. So the solution is to get your head out of the sand, number one. Um, to believe it's really happening and to understand what the bad negative effects are. And that's what nobody ever talks about. Right. Exactly. And, and as you've been exposing this stuff, excuse the pun, uh, you were recently banned by YouTube because of some of the content, right? I've actually have 12 strikes against my channel. Really? My channel is still up, right? But I should get an award. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I recently had, I don't, I'm pretty sure somebody was targeting my channel because they went back and they started striking certain shows after a year. And so apparently what happens with YouTube is, you know, they'll give you a strike and then they'll say 90 days and then they'll drop the strike. Okay. I was like, okay, I'll play nice and I won't talk about this anyway. Um, but then in a two week period, I had like three and I had dropped, I had three drop off and then I got two more and now i got three actually um so over the last couple of years i've had and you know what it's so it just irritates me it irritates and it really does because it's it's like how do you get the word out if you know if big tech is silencing you and that you have to understand that google is a huge purveyor oh, of yeah. this stuff yeah. <clears throat> Amen. And, and the person that you were interviewing, John, for guys last night, he even said that the <laughs> images he uses, he Googles. So it's free. You know, it, it's available to a 10-year-old Googling the same words. 
I will tell you before I interviewed him, because Linda Harvey from Mission America, who's covered this issue for a long time, she's the one that referred him to me. He sent me stuff before I interviewed him. I almost didn't interview him because I, I was so disgusted and traumatized by the stuff he sent me. I, I said, I can't, I can't even look at this. It's awful. I mean, I don't watch TV. And so I try to, I try to keep the, the mind clean because it's taken me a long time. I'm in the process of memorizing Psalm 119, been working on that for two years. So it's, it's like when I see this stuff, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard, but, but yeah. And that, and you think about the the kids and they got this stuff in the palm of their hand. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Yep. You know, I, I seen a, a meme or something on Twitter or Facebook or something. And remember uh, the old, I had two daughters, so I know what they're talking about, but the telephone with all the pink dials and, you know, the, you'd dial it and it'd ring, 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 ring type thing. Just a little play telephone. I said, my phone when I was six years old, you know, my granddaughter's phone, when she says she's got an iPhone and all that, six years old. I mean, these kids have access to all that stuff. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. But I know there's a lot of other Christians that, that discuss controversial topics on YouTube, and they worry about being banned as well. But did YouTube give you a chance to appeal it, or they just, uh, you know? <laughs> the YouTube's appeal process is a joke. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I will tell you, my friend, I have a girlfriend who does a show, and and she talks about biblical healing and other things, and she was banned and then they she they her channel got taken down mm. and then she actually posted not too long ago that it made me laugh and cry at the same time because she said oh youtube victory they gave her thing back because she appealed and they actually gave it back uh then she went and she posted something and then they struck her channel that day and took it down and i was like okay you know it, it's it is how it is my my twitter account i had a stacy harp twitter account with 20,000 followers on there, somebody hacked my account. They took the whole thing down. I appealed it to Twitter. They never did anything. Um, my Bible News Radio account currently has like 10,000 followers on Twitter. Um, August 19th, a guy from the Daily Memphian, um, that's his Twitter account, he he rep- he had to report me because it was this tweet I, re- I responded to. He had tweeted something about getting vaccinated with against monkeypox and stuff. And I tweeted him back and I said, so were the most of the people that you got vaccinated here in Tennessee were most of them gay men because that's what monkeypox is primarily a gay man's disease, according to the Center of Disease Control. Exactly, yeah. And Twitter suspended my account, my Bible News Radio account. And I, I am not, I'm the type of person, I am not going to remove it to say that I made a mistake. There's no way. No, the Center for Disease Control Twitter banned me for. And so I have a little heart tug account with 90 people on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, LinkedIn, yeah. I haven't been tagged on LinkedIn yet. Uh, I've been warned on Instagram though, too. I've had, I've been flagged on Instagram and I and Facebook. I, I try to be nice on Facebook because I know they're evil too, but it's like, Amen. Well, full transparency. I was put on probation for some of my content, condemning uh, some of the things that we talked about. It was about a month ago or so. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't, I, sometimes I wonder if, you know, they just put a bot on it and go searching in the back. Because like, this is stuff I preached like, I think it was like yeah. a year ago. You yep. know? And it's been it's on their, there the whole time. You know? It's their algorithm. Yeah. 
And it's nobody who's actually looking at the appeal because when, depending on what you name a show, if you name something inflammatory or whatever, I, uh, some of my strikes were simply because I quoted an article title. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Well, all I have to say is thank you, Jesus, because at least I know the word's getting out. Right. And uh, that's all it takes. But let me ask you this. You've talked with a lot of Christian influencers over the years. What do they have to say about the state of the church in America right now? I think it depends on who you ask. <laughs> uh, I I think that the, I I don't know. It's a hard. That's a hard question to answer on behalf of my guests. Mm-hmm. I will say that those who are activists, it's a general consensus. Yeah. I would say the activist people that I know who cover these serious issues, they would agree with me that basically we're under God's judgment. Um, You cannot, I mean, honestly, you can't look at what's gone on the last couple of years and not see that. I mean, it just last couple of years with COVID. Now, I don't know where you stand on that stuff, but I will tell you that for me, the number one thing that I noticed after this whole COVID thing, first of all, me and my husband, the day that the big thing came down, they started shutting churches down. I told my husband, I said, he looks at me. I looked at him. I, he, he said, it's starting. I said, yep. And I've been warning people. I've been telling people, you better memorize God's word because they're coming for it. Yeah. They've already banned the Bible apps in China, mm-hmm. right? Um, and my background, understanding Christian persecution to the depth that I do, because I covered it for eight years with the voice of the martyrs, I, I will tell you that... Most Christians have no clue what the heck's going on. Oh, exactly. exactly. No, I agree. It, I agree. This COVID thing was the biggest con played on our our world. Um, it was just and, a dry run. It's a, oh, it's just a dry run for the real thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there, there's just so much. I'm not vaccinated. My husband's not vaccinated. But and I you're can still tell, here. I'm still here, and I haven't been <laughs> sick either. I, I mean, I've had a common cold, but I haven't gotten COVID that I know of. Or if I did, I was tired, but that was it. Yeah. Um, but it it is you watch how the pastors okay, I'll I'll say this. Mm-hmm. And you watch the pastors who shut down their churches, you know what they did? And I don't even know, most of them didn't know that they did this. They became a state-run church at that point. Yep. Yep. In exactly. China, you have a state-run church. It's called the three self church. Mm-hmm. China happens to be the nation with the largest Bible printing press is called Amityville Press. They print up the state Bibles to put in their state-run church. They have a little thing in the front of the Bible that says this belongs to the state. The state, the pastors of the state-run church listen to the government to tell them what to preach. And they tell them what not to preach. That There's a huge underground thing. I saw that I, when I went back to my little Baptist church here for the first time. And I go in and there's tape through the whole thing, caution tape, you know, oh, every other aisle and stuff. I had conflicting feelings because before I became a member of my current church, um, I had a, a very long talk with the pastor and I said, this is where I stand on this issue. Now, I've been pretty much, I can't say thrown out of every church I've been in, but but misunderstood at the very least. People don't understand what I, who I am, I guess. I mean, I'm sweet and lovable. Anybody that knows me 
Amen. And the problem is, is that if you talk about these hard issues, it makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think a big part of the church is asleep. I think most of it's apostate. I think the leadership are mostly hirelings. And yeah. I also think that we have very few people who are who are making disciples. And Amen. Amen. that's not a popular thing to Amen. say. But I'm in 100% agreement. And, and that's that's why I've been. I'll, I'll use your quote not really thrown out of churches, but, yeah. you know, but uh, you know, and in my opinion, and I've let this be known that I hold the church leadership basically 100% responsible at fault <laughs> for the degradation of our society. Cause I remember when prayer was removed from schools. Yeah. I remember when they took the 10 commandments down from the, the bulletin board thing in the, in the classrooms. I remember how, Back then, most church parking lots were full on Sunday mornings and all the businesses were closed, you know, yeah. and God help you if you needed gasoline, you know, <laughs> you'd better get it on Saturday or at least wait till after one o'clock on a Sunday. But right. after, after those events happened, you know, things started to change once they started, you know, doing this stuff. And then the free love movement started, which led to unwanted pregnancies, which led to abortions. And then, you know, here we are today, but I truly believe, and I've let it be known and that upset some people that if the pastors and church leaders back in the mid sixties would have just stormed the halls of Congress and protested, not electing any politicians that were wanting to, you know, pass that kind of liberal agenda, I don't think we'd be where we are today, but that's just right. my opinion. You know, uh, what's you know your opinion? well, I agree. And I will say that they've been sold this lie about the separation of church and state. And it's interesting. I just got done teaching a biblical uh, citizenship class that David Barton's wall builders, they, they have this thing. And I told the ladies that came in my class, I said, you know, look, we're, we're going to learn about the separation of church and state. You know, Thomas Jefferson put that little phrase in a, Letters of the Danbury Baptist. <laughs> but uh, but one thing that they actually didn't say in the training that Barton put out um, was that if, and you can do this, Bob, I dare you to, I, I can actually show it to you on the internet. But if you just put in separation of church and state Marxist, you will come up with the websites that actually show you how in the Marxist communist constitutions, they actually have the separation of church and state phrase. That's what I try. But American pastors, by and large, don't understand this. And so they get scared because of their their nonprofit. First of all, I don't even know in all the almost 30, 20 something years I've done this show. I don't know of one nonprofit that has had their thing taken away. Exactly. I mean, it's very hard to exactly. do that. It's yeah, like, yeah. but the Black Robe Regiment, I, I know people who are part of that today. It's like. Yeah, you know what? Jack Hibbs, who I absolutely adore, and Chino Hills, you know, he he was convicted about something, and he finally stood up. Uh, my friend, Pastor Andy Woods, down in Texas, Sugarland Bible Church, great guy. He didn't shut his church down. J.D. Frog in, in Hawaii, he didn't shut his church down. Yep. Uh, these guys are all my friends, right? Yep. And I'm like, okay, so it's not just me. Billy Crown, Pastor Billy Crown, 
He didn't either. These guys are yeah. solid Bible teachers. They're prophecy yeah. experts. They're teaching God's word, and the and those churches are growing. Yeah, we're doing it. But the the other churches were like, oh, I'm... John MacArthur didn't shut his church down. Uh, uh, There's some Castle, controversy about him, though. <laughs> yeah, but Steve Castle, we went to Bible school together. He has a nice church up in Lena, uh, Illinois. But uh, he, when they first announced it, he put he he, he bought. Radio as our church is remaining open. I Good. mean, they they brought a law. The state of Illinois brought a lawsuit against this church, and he stood up against it. And he was interviewed on all sorts of news channels and stuff. And he said, "I'm not shutting down. They can come arrest me. They can put padlocks on the door, and I'll kick the door in." He said, "We're going to have church, you know." Yeah. And you know, I mean, it, you know, yeah. And, and believe it or not, I don't know how your your radio station was. Our ministry actually grew during that time. Cause you know, I'm still preaching on the radio and, and stuff like that. And our, our podcast listening audience jumped our radio listening audience jumped because everyone was shut down. They wanted to hear the word of God. And, right. uh, you know, I've been trying to get pastors on the radio and, and stuff like that for, you know, two, three years, or at least before that. And, uh, once the shutdown happened, all of a sudden I became really popular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, uh, can you help me, you know, like preach sermons? And then my people can watch them. Sure. I'll even show you how to videotape them, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that's, you know, we start doing that, but yeah. Oh yeah. For me, just, it, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. Every time <laughs> I think about this, you know, so. but okay. So here's the other issue. The other issue is biblical illiteracy, right? Oh yeah. When, and, and during COVID since you brought that up, I will say during COVID, I had my friend Pam Gillespie um, message me and she said, I'm going to be doing this Bible reading accountability thing. Um, it's a 50-day program. We're going to get on Zoom in the morning first thing. We're going to check in. We're going to talk about where we're going to read because most people don't read. Most Christians don't read the whole Bible. I have now. I can tell you for sure, without a doubt, I have read the whole Bible. And I, and I had prior to this, too. But I told Pam, you know, I'm not going to pay you 50 bucks to do this with you. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm poor, just so you know, right? And so she's like, yeah, just come for free or whatever. So she, it ended up that 12 people signed up for this thing all over the country. Couple in Las Vegas, couple people in Florida, couple people in Illinois, me here in Tennessee, us 12 women, we didn't even know each other. So we started doing this thing, checked in, um, this is where I'm going to read today. And then we'd come back, we'd debrief for about 15 minutes. And then the following morning we did this. It was supposed to be 50 days. About two weeks in, I gave Pam 50 bucks. I said, here you go. Because what happened was the Lord convicted me of my um, lack of really serious study. Now, I'm I'm a very serious Bible student. I mean, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum was one of my favorite mentors. I knew his wife, Marianne, very well, who mentored me as a baby disciple. Um so I have a really solid theological background as, and I love apologetics, which is highly weird for a woman. Most women you don't meet are most, I'm not your Beth Moore Bible study girl. I'm, I'm a serious thinker anyway, but a couple of weeks into this Bible reading thing, um, that thing, we actually did it for about six months and then we broke off into groups. So during COVID, what happened was, um, God really laid on my heart to begin mentoring and discipling people that way. We saw people come to Christ as a result because they hadn't read the whole Bible. Yeah. And our whole goal was, you know, and then I have a daily disciples group on Facebook. You'll love this. Um, 
for years, I've been trying to get people to just read the Bible. That's all I wanted. And I got on my Daily Disciples Facebook group and Facebook, and I said, okay, I want you to blah, blah, blah. And the Lord spoke to me. He's like, why don't you ask people to read the Bible with you? And I'm like, that ain't going to work. you know. <laughs> and he's like, no, really, try it. And I'm like, it's not going to work, but I'll do what you say. So I, said, so I texted my list. I said, okay, who wants to read the Bible with me in this Facebook group? And I started getting all these responses from people I didn't expect to hear from. I was like, okay, I would never thought that. I mean, I prejudged everybody. I'm a judger. I can't help it. And <laughs> And so then I had a team of people. We, I had two people, it started out two people a day were reading one chapter. We started with the book of Psalms. Um, and anyway, to make a long story short, we are now finishing the book of Isaiah. We have Jeremiah and Lamentations left of the Bible. Amen. So, and I will tell you that some of the, some of my friends that I had no idea that they would do this. I had one of my friends come to me and say, you know, I want to tell you that before I started reading this Bible passage every week, I was drinking alcohol at night to help me sleep. I'm not now, but I was, I had another guy come, uh, his wife was reading and, and um, her husband kept hearing her read, and he was kind of back and forth with his relationship with God. And he came to her and he said, do you think Stacy will let me read? And I said, are you kidding me? Of course. And so he started to read and he died last year or earlier this year. But he's in the presence of the Lord. I found out his daughter had been praying for him to get into the word and go to church. So that's just from Bible reading. Amen. Yeah. Now, Amen. we read almost the whole Bible out loud on, on Facebook in that group. Um, and I've started Bible studies. I'm a pre-sub trainer. I, you know, I do these online zoom studies. So a lot of the activism stuff that I do outwardly on Bible news radio, really heart tug, which is our ministry focuses on that behind the scenes discipleship. But I do, and I coach people counsel. I'm not licensed as a therapist because of the gay agenda. I saw what was going to happen back then. And so it's, you know, Amen. Amen. So that's that was actually my next question was about your Bible reading accountability group. So you're right on my track here. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, right <laughs> now I'm not how, doing how any someone, How can someone sign up for that and get more information on it? Well, if they want to be a part of that, then just message me. And I'm I'm actually in the process of, of trying to just start another one, not 50 days in a row, but maybe once a week. Um, because what happens is you get the same people and then everybody gets flaky and, you know, all that. (laughs) But I actually have a text group. I have a group right now that on signal where we do text each other, where we're going to read today. So. And I know a lot of people, you know, what we see today is also recorded in the Bible as what life is supposed to be like just before the return of our Messiah, Jesus. So where do you see us on the prophetic timeline? Oh, I think the clock is ticking. I think we're very close. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the second hand is moving. Yeah. I think the minute hand's there. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of reasons. Number one, Israel, people have to look at Israel. Mm -hmm. And if you're not looking at what's going on with Israel and the anti, the rise of anti-Semitism right now, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's massive and it's been growing and growing and growing, but our nation turning against Israel under not only Obama, I will tell you, I have friends uh, from Israel 365 um, who are Jewish. They're not Christians. When Trump was our president, 
Um, he should still be our president, but, and I don't trust Trump completely either, by the way. And I will right. say the reason why is because he kowtowed out why, right? And part of the Supreme Court, they did things too you wouldn't expect. So, there, you know, there's fishy stuff there. But when Trump decided to move the embassy back to Jerusalem, I got messages from my friends in Israel saying, we love this president. We're so thankful for him. You get Biden in there. He he reversed all that, right? Um, you know, the Bible predicts that the whole world has to turn against Israel. So I'm like, okay, things are just falling into place, right? Yep. Jan Markell from All of Tree Views kind of coined that phrase. Things are just falling into place. Tom Hughes says it. Um, you know, all these other guys, they're saying it. Um, but the problem is this the church doesn't talk about Israel. Exactly. And if you look at Bible theology, often passages that are strictly for Israel, people misconstrue them about the church. It's not, no, no, this isn't about the church. church Replacement. That's right. No. And so, so that drives me crazy too. So I I go, okay, look, the rapture can happen any minute, literally. The second coming won't happen until the rapture takes place. In my opinion, that's how I understand it. Um, and Israel repents and says, okay, we're going to call back on the name of the Lord to get saved. And that's not going to happen until the whole world turns against them. And the Antichrist is there already exactly. doing what he's doing. So yeah, Exactly. And, you know, if you look at, you know, this situation right now, Russia, Ukraine, the sanctions on Russia, uh, you know, that's hurting Russia economically. So Europe is now against Russia as well on the sanctions and stuff. Russia provides their fuel, right? So mm-hmm. they said, "Well, show you. Well, we got to do maintenance on our pipelines. <laughs> so you're going to get cold this winter, you know. And yeah. uh, you know, you got the oil embargoes and stuff with Iran, but Israel suddenly has this huge deposit of oil, and they're in the process of uh, building a pipeline going to Europe. It's take another year or so to finish it." And Israel will be supplying Europe, so they don't have to rely on Russia. Well, that just dips into Russia's economy, and you know they're already hurting. So I see, and I've talked to you know like Nathan Jones and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know that opens up the Ezekiel thirty-eight, where well, Russia comes in from the north, Persia comes in from the south. Persia's Iran; they come right. in from the south. There and the three-axle. Three axis alliance is already in place because China is now part of that group. You know, we're going to back Russia and whatever they do. They say they're coming in from the, I mean, they're all coming against Israel. One thing we don't see is the United States coming to oh, help yeah. Israel, right? And well, I there, think, oh, go ahead. I would say there's, I think there's a couple of reasons we, we don't see the United States. But I, and I think one of them is because they're trying to merge Canada, Mexico, and us all together. And I think that that's why they're fighting for no borders. Mm-hmm. I think that's some of it, but go ahead. No, exactly right. Because I was going to say that, you know, you, you don't let 5 million people invade your country without changing the country. Right. You know, that's by well, design. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, with all this stuff going on right now in the United States, I think, I think it just weakens us to the point where we're not going to be able to, to, we're just going to tell Israel, Hey, you're on your own. And that fulfills Bible pop prophecy right there. You know? yep. So I'm, I'm right there with you a hundred percent. Praise the Lord. We are, oh, man, we're just about out of time. Tell us about your radio program a little bit more Bible news radio. 
Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me on. This has been the best interview so far. Um, <laughs> I, you know, Bible, Bible News Radio is, um, we, we air basically once a week now um, when I'm not on sabbatical, which I'm currently on. Uh, and I basically do what the show's title is. I look at the Bible, I look at the news, and it's on internet radio. It's not on actual radio. Um, but um and I interview people and I, I share my opinion, but, you know, at the heart of it is basically trying to get people back into the word of God because, because if you're not in God's word, then you're, you don't know where, where God is. And I will right. tell you something, this Bible reading accountability thing really changed my life in so many different ways. I will tell you, there was not too long ago, I was reading and I was reading in Revelation chapter four. And you know the four creatures, the the, the four creature face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. One morning I was reading this, and and I was reading that, and you know I've heard think people say, oh that creatures, the lion represents this, and the eagle represents America, all this stuff. It doesn't. I'm sitting there and I'm reading this, and the Lord spoke to me like clear as day, and He's like, go back and read Genesis because I know you want to know what this means. And I'm like, where in Genesis? He's like, at the beginning. I'm like, okay. So I go back and I'm reading through the beginning of Genesis, first couple chapters, and I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh, really? So that creature, you know, and it's just a semantic thing. It's it's not, this isn't going to change anybody's theology, but the the eagle is the king of the of the birds, mm-hmm. right? The the cow is the king of the livestock. And then you got a humanity who is the king of God's creation, or is you know woman because we were last, but we were the crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, and then the lion is the king of the beast, right? So I was like, you're trying to tell me that this just represents these are the top things of creation. Well, if you continue reading through Revelation at the very bottom of chapter four, um, they're singing a song about creation and all that. And I was like, Lord, that is so cool. I showed my husband. He didn't even know it. He knows everything. But I thought, you know what? I told told Randall, I said, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to look in some commentaries and see if anybody else has seen this. And this was so funny. I'm reading through these commentaries. I'm like, that's not right. That's no. David Guzik, you're wrong on that. You're so wrong. <laughs> and then I get to this other thing. And at the very bottom in a footnote, it said, Messianic rabbi said in almost exactly word for word what I thought is what that guy said. And I was wow. like, yes, it was a Jewish guy who got it. I'm part Amen. Jewish. <laughs> oh, praise God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, found Amen. that out. Amen. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Amen. That is so cool. I have to check that out myself. Praise you God. should. Amen. Uh, you also have Bible study programs that people can join, and you do biblical mm-hmm. counseling service. Share a little bit about those programs as we get ready to close. So our Bible studies, I do them on Zoom. Um, I've I actually just got done doing, the, like I said, the biblical biblical citizenship class. But usually the Bible studies are precept studies. I'm actually working on my own. Yeah, people, and I'm actually thinking about doing. Um, another one on the life of Christ from a Jewish perspective, which I think most believers don't know. That's and true. that changed my life. When I began to understand the Bible and the context it's written, it changes your walk forever because you're like, oh, this makes so much sense. Um, so we do that. But I put info about that. I, I'll email that. I put that on my email, throw that out there. Um, and then counseling, I do that as well. That is fee-based. 
Uh, that is the one thing I don't do for free. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, do you have any books or anything that uh, you want to share with us? I've written a little book called Pickleball Faith Inspiration on and off the court. I've seen that one. Yeah. Um, which is funny because it's it's really shows you the sanctification process and who I am as a person and how mm-hmm. God put me in a community. And um, I will tell you that um, that book has already sold close to 400 copies already or not, you know, for a no name like me with, you know, so he can do amazing things. Amen. I'll put a link to all this down in the show notes, but say, so this has been so interesting and I am truly blessed by hearing about, you know, all that you have going on for the Lord. Cause this is so awesome. Hey, you and your husband, Randall are to be commended. I mean, I'm still in awe of 1500 interviews. Praise God. Just keep that up. Hey man, if someone has a question or they want to get more information, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Um, best place is hearttug.org. And there's two T's heart tug. And the name of our nonprofit is heart tug international. We actually named it after our dog tuggy bear. He died. Aww. So we thought heart, we heart tug, we hearted tug. I know it does, but that's okay. It works. That's right. Amen. I'll put links to all this down in the show notes below. Folks, you definitely need to check out Bible News Radio. I mean, I am absolutely a fan. I subscribe because I am so blessed that Stacy has taken the time to come on our program today. And you need to drop down to the show notes, click the links right there. And go check out Bible News Radio and all the other things Stacy and her husband Randall have going on in the body of Christ. Order her book, Pickleball, what was it again? Pickleball Faith. Pickleball Faith. Pickleball is becoming very popular right now. You know it's the number one growing sport in America. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Mark Cuban just bought a team. So. <laughs> I never heard of it till like two weeks ago. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Well. He's like, check out the links down below. Everything that they have going on for the body of Christ is right there in the show notes. Just drop down the show notes, click the links right there. Stacy, thank you again for coming on the program today. I do appreciate it. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. Of course, Stacy Lynn, Harp, and myself, this Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. You have been listening to Revelation Warning with Pastor Robert Thibodeau and his guest expert on Bible prophecy as it relates to current events. This podcast is not designed to invoke fear, but concern. Help us to make everyone aware that the soon return of Jesus is close at hand by clicking the like, subscribe, and then share buttons below. Share this episode with your loved ones, friends, and coworkers. For more information on our ministry, please visit podcasterforchrist.com and be sure to come back next week for another episode of Revelation Warning.